0: Today, on It's Time. If we don't read the entirety of God's Word, we cannot teach the entirety of God's Word. I hear the calling, it's time. It's time. It's time. time.
1: Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler
0: That one minute, you were, you know, doldrums and gloom, despair, and agony on me, and the phone rings, and, hey, I thought I'd call you back. And all of a sudden now, you're, you're just, you're just as happy as you can be. What changed? You see, when we spend time with God, it's like God calling us saying, I love you. Oh, we, You know, are we all right? I can go some more here. And that's what happens, I believe, when we get alone with God and we begin to pray. And God begins to say, hey, as a matter of fact, all that stuff that's troubling you so bad doesn't matter in eternity. And we go, "Ah, yeah, right. I forgot about that. God, thanks for reminding me and getting my priorities back straight again. That makes so much difference. So the power of the Holy Spirit is important in our lives. We need to be charged up. Paul asked the question to this group. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? By the very nature of the question would indicate that it can be a separate experience. Amen? You see that? Again, let's read it. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's the question. They said to him, now this is a very unusual answer, by the way. We have not so much heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Wow, that's a pretty weird answer, ain't it? Paul replies, And said to them, Into what then were you baptized? And so they said into John's baptism, What then were you baptized? So here's some more verses for you. I'd like you to write this down. Matthew 28, verse 19. Let's turn over to that. Matthew 28, verse 19. You say, why is this verse important? You'll see why. Because it is part of the Great Commission. And in the Great Commission, Jesus commissioned His disciples, saying in verse um, 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, notice this, baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. Wow. What does that tell you? So when he says, we have not so much heard whether there's a Holy spirit, then Paul goes, well, if you were baptized and you were getting dunked in the name or by the authority of the father, son, and Holy spirit, you would say, who's the Holy spirit. I mean, that's kind of how you were supposed to baptize people. And notice it says, we haven't even heard so much of the Holy Spirit. Then what were you baptized? How how were you baptized? And so he says, into John's baptism. And I believe at that point, he goes, oh, I get it. You see, because Apollos, no doubt, is who baptized them, you might say, following the teachings of John the Baptist, And again, Apollos could only bring them as far as he was himself. You you see, by the very nature of this, we look and see Apollos' life, and this would compel us to grow in Christ, to know of what we speak, because otherwise we will only give people a partial message. Now you say, why is that important? Simply this. If we don't, read the entirety of God's Word, we cannot teach the entirety of God's Word. Follow that? See, you, you you have to come to the point in your life where you say, I have to know what God's Word says about this. Otherwise, I could be teaching imbalance. Now, for those that believe that you get everything when you are born again... I would say, explain Acts 19. And I've heard people explain things in the Bible that if you were alone on a desert island and a Bible washed up on shore in a waterproof container and you opened it up and you read it, you could never ever in a hundred years come to the conclusion that they came to in explaining away the Word of God. It just doesn't happen that way. The Bible is not a complex, hard book to read, but it is all interlaced verse-to-verse, chapter to chapter, and the Bible does the commentary on the Bible. And especially, as an example, the Bible does the commentary on the book of Revelation as well. So, understanding that. Into what baptism were you baptized? And so they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying that people that they should believe on him who would come after him that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. And the men were about twelve in all. Now it says, when he laid his hands on them, they spoke... Um, well, he said, when he laid his hands the Holy Spirit came upon them, they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Most likely from what we gather in reading the New Testament, tongues is probably one of the most common gifts given by the Holy Spirit. However, not everybody that was filled with the Spirit spoke in other tongues. Paul tells us in Corinthians chapter 12, if you don't pray in tongues, God's got another gift for you. He said, do all pray in tongues? Do all heal? Do all prophesy? The answer is negative. Whenever a question is written in the negative, the answer's negative. And Um, so understanding that he says then that if you don't pray in tongues, there's another gift. Now, when the apostle Paul, well, let's go back, Saul got laid out on the road on the way to Damascus. He, He was out persecuting Christians. That was his bag. Okay. He believed he was doing God a favor. God lays him out. Here's a voice, Saul, Saul, who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. The Bible says after that, he was led by the hand into Damascus. Now, he was going to be led now instead of to the very people he wanted to kill, he's being led now to the very people that would pray for him. And we remember when he gets there, they pray for him and he receives the Holy Spirit There is no mention at that time when Paul received the Holy Spirit that he spoke in tongues. I don't believe that he did. And I think that's why it doesn't mention it. But something else happened. When he was filled with the Spirit, the Bible says something like scales fell off of his eyes. Now, he was led by the hand in Damascus because he was blinded. I don't know what happened to his eyes. I don't know what Jesus... Maybe Jesus did that to remind... Paul or Saul at that particular point, that this is not a dream. This is real. And I'm going to leave this little mark on you so you remember that this is for real. Um, Sometimes it it, it isn't. There's a little reminder sometimes we have in our life, like we'll have a cut or whatever on our hand or on our side or wherever. I've I've got some motorcycle scratches and stitches and... (laughs) <laughs> and, and and you know sometimes I look at those and I go I don't think I should ride a motorcycle anymore you know um, maybe a meat grinder but maybe not a motorcycle okay um, they remind us I, I, I think it's amazing that it does not say that he spoke with other tongues now in Corinthians chapter 14 though Paul says at that time, he spoke with tongues more than them all. Well, that tells me that, that maybe God gave him that gift later on in his Christian walk, in his Christian ministry. Not as a reward for being a good Christian, but just that that's what God did for him because he loved him. Um, and I do believe in our Christian experience, depending on what God's called you and me to do, will determine what gifts God gives us through, you might say, the history of our ministry here on this earth. Uh, In other words, um, if God's called you to the mission field, you may have never needed the gift of miracles in your life before. But you go over to New Guinea or some other place where materials and things are in short supply and just as jesus multiplied the loaves and fishes which is one of the gifts of miracles that we find in manifestation of that that would be a great gift to have or maybe the gift of healing for instance maybe there was no real need for you in your life to have the gift of healing in your earlier years as a christian but as god calls you into the mission field there may be one of these gifts that's why it tells us desire the best gifts Well, what are the best gifts? The best gifts are what matches your calling, your ministry. This is what it tells us in the very last verse of chapter uh, 12 of 1 Corinthians. Desire the best gifts. What are they? What's God called you to do? If you're a pastor, probably the word of knowledge is a good thing to have. If you're a missionary, the gift of healing would be great or or the gift of miracles So depending on what God's called you to do in your respective role depends, I think, a lot of times on what God would have you do. So these guys are all filled with the Spirit now. They're empowered, and there's 12 of them. Verse 8. And he went into the synagogue, spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some of them were hardened, and he did not believe but spoke evil, and and when when some of them were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, Paul departed from them, withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannius. Now, look at this. Paul earlier said he wasn't going to go back to the the synagogues anymore. Um, But we find Paul still compelled by his heart to go and share the gospel with people. So he goes to the synagogue, he reasons with them, and notice he did it for three months. Now, reasoning with them in the synagogue for three months would probably be a once-a-week event on a Saturday. Perhaps even after they would have their regular uh, synagogue service up uh, Paul then would have this time of discussion with them afterwards, but it was limited to maybe you might say a one um, once a week kind of thing. Some of them were hardened. Hmm. Now notice it it, it didn't say they were hard immediately. They became hard. Uh, The word of God can do that. The word of God uh, sometimes will soften and the word of God will sometimes harden. Now, They were hearing the word of God and their hearts became hard. This is not a new event here. If we go back to the book of Genesis, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Well, that's mean of God to do that, ain't it? What kind of a God is it that hardens somebody's heart and then punishes them for it? Well, how did Paul harden these guys' heart? (laughs) He read them the word of God. And when he read him the word of God, explained the gospel to him, it made their heart hard. The Bible tells us the Pharisees' hearts were hard. How did Jesus make the Pharisees' hearts hard? He demonstrated the power of God. How the power of God comes across in an individual's life de- depends on the, the receptible part of our spirit to understand the things of God. The more miracles that Moses and Aaron did, the harder Pharaoh's heart got. It wasn't that God hardened his heart in that I'm going to cast you and make you hard. It's that God provided the truth and Pharaoh's reaction to that truth is what hardened his heart. So yeah, did God harden Pharaoh's heart? Yes, in that God gave to Moses and Aaron the power to demonstrate the awesomeness of God's power to Pharaoh. Now, Lazarus had died. And we remember that when Lazarus had died, or was sick, uh, Jesus tarried a couple extra days. And finally, Jesus gets there and they said, Lazarus has been dead for four days. You know, he's you he should have been here sooner. In fact, uh, Mary and Martha, they, they actually went after Jesus. They said, if you had been here earlier, he, he would have lived. And he says, he'll live again. And, and Jesus, well, yeah, in the resurrection. And, and, and he said, I am the resurrection and life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, he'll live again. He'll live. And we remember, take me where he's at. So they take him to her. Jesus said, roll away the stone. They said, but Lord, he's been dead for four days. He stinketh. He didn't smell so good. They rolled away the stone. By name, Jesus calls Lazarus out. There's many people that believe that Jesus had not called him out by name. Every dead person from the history of the world would have came back to life. I don't know if that's true, but it's a neat thought. So he said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus comes out wrapped in his grave clothes. Ooh, you need to new tailor, Lazarus. Huh. Give him something to eat. Well, we remember the Pharisees, upon seeing that, they said, now we not only have to kill Jesus, we have to kill Lazarus as well. You cannot have a living example of the power of God walking around. we got to get them all. The more miracles that Jesus did, the harder the Pharisees' hearts got. So did Jesus harden the Pharisees' hearts? Yeah, he did. How did he do that? By showing them miracles and God's power. How did God harden Pharaoh's heart? By Moses showing Pharaoh his awesome power. Um, That's just how these guys react to it. Well, these guys heard Paul's teaching, the Word of God, and their hearts became hardened notice it says that it says they were hardened and did not believe but spoke evil of the way now the way was what the early church called themselves there's different groups around today that use the name the way some are of god some are not some are cults some are others but anyway um don't let that spoof you there it says, they spoke evil of the way before the multitude. He departed from them, withdrew with the disciples. Now, it says, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannius. Now, where it used to be a once a week thing on Sabbath in the synagogue, now it's daily in the school of Tyrannius. Somebody says, well, what is the school of Tyrannius?" We don't know for sure. Some people believe it was a place, a theological type of seminary, where people went, and it was kind of like extracurricular. After, you know, Sabbath, they would come, and they would all hang out and do this. Others believe that it was a place like a, a school of philosophy that might or may not have been related to, you might say, Judaism at all. We don't really know. All we know is Paul went there, and he was allowed to be there. And notice it says... He continued for two years so that all who dwell in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And so we find that really Paul puts down some pretty good roots here and, and really uh, teaches them well. Now verse 11. Now the, now God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul. Now I, I almost wish that rather than it just say God worked unusual unusual miracles, I wish it would have actually said what these miracles were. Because there are those today that say, well, everything is contained in God's Word. And I I agree to that. I I do. Um, So in other words, sometimes miraculous things that happen are immediately ruled out because it's not found in God's Word, okay? I, I agree to that. But at the same time, I have to look at what it says here to be fair. Now, this goes against what some might say is common theology, but we have to look at this. What unusual miracles. Now, it doesn't say, let's just look at this, okay? We're going to have to look at this up close because this is uh, pretty amazing. God worked unusual miracle by the hand of Paul. Is that what it says? Miracles. Circle yes. You say, why is that important? Because we have one illustration of one of these unusual miracles. Let's look and see what it is. So that even the handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them just because of his handkerchief. You think that's a unusual sign? Well, I would say. Ah, chew! Here, take this over. It'll get rid of the demon. Okay, let's look at this up close now. Where do we find in the Bible that handkerchiefs had supernatural powers? It's really not there. This is just an illustration of what was going on in Paul's life. I think it's dangerous sometimes to put God in a box and say, God can't do certain things. Now, I know this goes against even sometimes even some Calvary Chapel theology. But the problem is nowhere in the Bible where they take in handkerchiefs and laying them on people anywhere else in the Bible. So this tells me that God is not limited always to our understanding. Let's look at it again. So even the handkerchiefs or aprons. (laughs) Aprons. Wow. Well, as priests in the Old Testament wore something like an apron, they wore an ephod. Um... And 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 that was with the stones which represented the 12 tribes of Israel, which also are the same stones that we find in heaven that our new heavenly place that we're all going to dwell forever are reminiscent of. But handkerchiefs were taken from Paul. Now, and they were laid on them to heal people, but also the handkerchiefs got rid of demons too. Friends, that's pretty unusual. Especially when we don't find Jesus saying, And when thou goest, taketh thy handkerchief and cast out many demons. You get what I'm saying here? I mean, we have to be fair when we read God's word. And, and, And the thing is, sometimes we'll follow oftentimes maybe even the teachings of a man rather than really looking at what the word of God says. So when somebody says, well, this minister came up to me on a Sunday morning. He looked at me And he grabbed my hands and he shook my hands and I got healed. People say, well, that's not in the Bible. So we know God didn't do that arrogantly, I might say. But the person was healed. Well, I guess the devil did it. Not so. Be careful. You might be thinking you're more spiritual than you think you are. As I'd be different if I find everybody in the New Testament carrying around napkins and aprons and healing people and casting out demons with them. But I don't find that. I only find it here. Well, then it's in the Word of God, Mike. Well, remember this. When this was written, it wasn't in the Word of God. This is, it was canonized in over 300 AD. So at the point that this was written, it was not in the Scripture. And so when we say we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, here's a problem. This wasn't in the scripture at the time it was written. Uh Uh-oh, now we got a theological issue, don't we? See, I I don't want you just to come in here and and go, okay, Mike, give me a mental massage. Oh, that's good. I want you to go out of here with questions. Because you know what? When you have questions, you're going to dig and you're going to look. And you know what? When the questions are posed to you, or you have them, it's going to force us into our prayer time to say, God, I see this. How do I reconcile this? And God looks at you and says, I'm bigger than what you think. I like that. Isn't that neat to know that God can do greater than I can ask or think? Now, am I saying, well, we need to start looking for gold dust? (laughs) That was a new one that was kind of flying around or holy howling or something like that. Well, what's wrong with that kind of doctrine? Well, the problem is, is that oftentimes the focus goes from God onto the howling.
1: Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at the RiverChristian Fellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.